Colossians chapter 3. We're continuing our sermon series, diving through the book of Colossians. I think it's very, very important, and why we do what we do, we preach through books of the Bible. It's important that we take the text within the context of the paragraph it's found in within the book that it's framed in. And so last week, we covered some landmines where you have verses that have been taken out of context and twisted to say something that God's Word does not say. And the same thing is true with the text today. And so uh, we're going to read through it, and then we'll pray uh, for God to move and work in our hearts and in our minds. Uh, This is very, very important. This is where the rubber meets the road. This is life-on-life relationships, most important relationships in your life. Right? Husband and wife, the marriage relationship, children and parents, the family relationship, and then your work relationship, where you spend many hours a day. And what Paul does is he works out Colossians chapter 1 and 2 and the first half of 3 so that we build off that identity, who we are in Christ. And that has everything to say about how we are husbands and wives, parents and children, employer and employees. All right, so we got to dig in within context of what we've studied already. So we'll start. Now, listen, I know it's not the the same sermon as last week. This is part two. We're going to focus on the second half, but I want to read it within the context. Verse 18, wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as is fitting to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything, and do it not only when their eyes are on you to curry their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for the wrongs, and there is no favoritism. Masters, provide for your slaves with what is right and fair, because you know that you also have a master in heaven. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, and Lord, we ask for understanding, we ask for wisdom, we ask for your spirit to move, to open up our eyes, to hear what you have to say to us today. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Now, as you go through this passage, you can't help but notice that seven times Jesus is mentioned. The Lord is mentioned. This past Friday night, special night for Holmes High School, it was senior night. And on senior night, the senior football players, cheerleaders, and band members are highlighted. They are the focus. If you come to a game, if you look at the fence on the posters, they have pictures that have been blown up to be posters on the fence line. So representing their senior year. And then uh, before the game, family members come down and they walk out with the seniors. Now on Friday night, we had more people walking out on the track with our seniors than we had people in the stand. Some of you guys showed up on senior night and we thank you for that. But people were showing up late. But they walk out because it's senior night. Not the whole team, just the seniors. Then we go out for the coin toss and We have honorary captains. Guess who the captains were that night? Seniors. Coaches that night. We were trying. So this is an important game for us. If we win, we could have a home playoff game. There's some good things that happen. If we win, if we lost, we'd be a four seed. 
and we'd go get blown out at a different place, long road trip. So we needed to win this game, and at the same time, guess who we were trying to get in the game? Seniors. Seniors. And it got towards the end of the game, and the game was going really well for us, and we were up, and there was a freshman behind me. And he goes, hey, Brown, Coach Brown, you think I can get in here? I go, hey, man, we're trying to get people in, but you know what night it is, right? Yeah, Friday night. <laughs> man, no, it's senior night. He's like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, let them play, let them play. Right? He, he lost track of what it was. Now, when you go through this text, the emphasis isn't on the wife, isn't on the husband, isn't on the child, isn't on the parent, isn't on the boss, isn't on the employee. You know who it's on? Jesus. Your life should be focused on how you can glorify Jesus in every area of your life. And if you take that out of context, you'll miss the whole point of this passage. This passage is how wives can relate to their husbands in a way that glorifies Jesus. And how husbands can relate to their wives in a way that glorifies Jesus. And how children can relate to their parents in a way that glorifies Jesus. And how parents can relate to their children in a way that glorifies Jesus. And how people at work, employees, can relate to their employers in a way that glorifies Jesus. And how employers can relate to their employees in a way that honors Jesus. And you want to know what's interesting? All of us have some form of authority. Right? We have authority over some people, and we're under authority of others. So I look at my own life. I have parents whose authority I am under. At school, I'm a teacher. I'm in the middle, kind of. I've got administration that I've got to answer to. I've got downtown school board that I've got to answer to. And then I've got students that I have authority over in the classroom. As a coach, I'm an assistant coach. I can coach the D-line, but at the end of the day, the head coach is going to make the decision, and I'm under his authority. And what I love about this passage is Paul uses an extreme relationship, the one where the power scale is really off. And he says both need to live in a way that glorifies Jesus. I think it's very interesting, we'll talk about this, how he's dismantling something like slavery while at the same time showing someone like a slave, hey, you're not forgotten by Jesus. You're not forgotten by Jesus. As a matter of fact, you will be rewarded, and the wrongs will be made right. And we'll talk about that in just a little bit. I, I want to hit back on what we finished with last week with parents. With parents. I, I want to skip down to, to verse 20. Children, obey to the pleasure of the Lord, and, and I want us to be careful. Right? And, and I want to be as clear as possible. Obedience pleases God, but it cannot be sin or abuse. You cannot please God by sinning. Right? So if your parents ask you to steal something or to lie about something, you can't please God that way. So obviously, in that relationship, there's parameters. Then you have parents. And I thought this was interesting. Um, Danny Aiken put it this way, practically speaking, when you talk about being harsh with your, your child, um, just making them discouraged, it, it, it's this, it's practically speaking, this is enforcing a legalistic standard that demands perfection, 
creates unreasonable expectations, and constantly berates, condemns, and discourages. Now, the opposite is found in Ephesians 6.4. And I want us to think about this as a church family. Ephesians 6.4 says, Fathers, do not exasperate your children. And I include here parents because it's a call to the parenting relationship as well. Instead, instead of being harsh with them, exasperating, discouraging them, instead of doing that, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. <clears throat> and then, if you're taking notes, this is a verse you probably need to mark. It's Old Testament, Deuteronomy 6, verses 5 through 9. Deuteronomy 6, verses 5 through 9. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts, impress them on your children, talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up, tie them as symbols on your hands, and bind them on your foreheads, write them on your door frames, your houses and on your gates that's a good way to instruct children in the ways of the Lord coming and going when you get up when you lie down let the words of Jesus be on our lips started to look at this and I'm looking out at you guys and I'm asking how do we do this how do we do this? And we cover all sorts of different generations, of different traditions in our families. We're at different stages. And so I looked and I divided this up into two categories. One, to the families in the room, we've got a lot of young families. And, and you want to know what sometimes happens in the, in the church? Sometimes we talk about families without actually helping families. Man, can you imagine so-and-so's kid? running around, being loud. Man, I was in the nursery with Dia. All she did was fuss today. Isn't it amazing how we can complain without encouraging? Now, I don't think we do that here. But this is what I want to ask. In the years to come, God moves at Holmes High School. We'll have several students and children that'll be here, and their parents don't know Jesus. So who will instruct them in the ways of the Lord? That responsibility falls on us. And so what I'm asking for you to do is to be creative in how we can do that as a church family. And there's limited contact. You get to see a, a glimpse of a few students on Sunday morning. There's more on Wednesday nights. As a matter of fact, we'll talk a little bit about this, some behind-the-scenes action from this past Wednesday night. It was our largest gathering yet, and this is just the football players. We haven't even started to invite the ladies yet, but it's amazing what God is doing in these young men's life. But who's going to instruct them and help bring them up in the ways of God? And then I started to think, you know, sometimes we assume families know how to do this. And my guess, in this room... Many of you may have had parents that helped you growing to know God. And so I'm going to use just, and listen, I, I'll be honest, I was spoiled growing up. Man, I was blessed with a grandpa that was a pastor that continually, continually instructed me in the ways of the Lord. I was blessed with a mom 
when the church was open, we were there. Listen, it was so bad, I had to sing in the choir, right? It was bad. I got kicked out of the choir one time, and Mom brought me back, and I had to go back into choir. It was rough growing up. But I'm just looking and, and thinking about how, how did Mom do that? And, and she had two shots of it. Uh, me and my sister were the, the older crew, and then came along Samuel and Andrew. And she had perfected the craft of parenting, of, of raising kids in the ways of the Lord. And so I'll just give you just a, a little glimpse from my life. And now each parenting in each family is going to have different ways to do this, right? I'm not that pastor that says you need to have family worship every day for a half hour or you're sinning, but you've got to figure it out. If you assume children are going to inherit knowing the Lord by osmosis, by being around you, you're going to be wrong. You've got to be intentional. And it's going to be during the days you're tired that you've got to be the most intentional. Someone once said, the days are long, but the years are short. That's true. And so this is what mom did. I told you last week about mom waking us up with a Bible verse, Isaiah 60, verse 1. And for the longest part, I thought she was saying, Isaiah, 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 like uh, the, the cartoon. But she wasn't. She was actually quoting from the prophet Isaiah. And it was Isaiah 60, verse 1, rise and shine for the glory of the Lord has shone upon you. What an awesome truth to wake up to. And then at night, we'd be, uh, it would be my sister and I, and mom would read us. It was called Little Visits with God. And listen, as a boy, I was hyperactive. I didn't want to sit still. I didn't want to listen. I just wanted to move. And yet mom would just be patient. Hey, Ben, read this. Trying to, to catch my attention to focus on something for longer than two seconds. And it was amazing how just little truths, nightly basis, and then she'd close it with a prayer, how that impacts. You want to know why I gave to the offering plate? Growing up, mom would give me a dollar. Mom would give me a dollar. And everything was good until middle school years. At our church, middle school was across from the kitchen. And in the kitchen was a soda machine. Guess how much a Coke was then? 50 cents. I could get two Cokes or I could get, put this in the offering plate. And I can remember as a sixth grader how much are they going to miss my dollar? How much are they going to miss my dollar? Me and my best friend could have a Coke. And I had to fight that every week. But mom taught us the importance of giving to the church we were there sunday morning sunday nights wednesday nights just constantly training we'd always have bibles mom would make sure we had definitely enough bibles in the in the house personal bibles that we were reading verses that we were memorizing and now what i'm trying to do is figure out how can i do this for a 16 year old 12-year-old, 10-year-old, and a one-and-a-half-year-old. And it looks radically different based on what stage you're in. Right? For, for Dia, it's just taking care of her and making sure you're praying for her. When Julianne lays her down, Julianne's praying for her before she goes to bed. With the middle two, they're in the same room. It's easy. We pray, and then, and then you got to be careful because a lot of questions come. But you want to know what? For whatever reason, about 8.30, 9 o'clock, 9.30 at night, I'm tired. But they've got questions. And now here's my question. And I, I, listen, I'm growing in this area. My goal is to say amen, get to the light switch and the door before the first question. Because I know if I start with the first question, I've got more coming. But wouldn't you know it, in those questions, God's shaping me and them at the same time. Great time to instruct children in the ways of the Lord. Now, Ava's getting older. She's uh, going to be starting to drive. And uh, just, just driving 
back knowing that this is coming, I'm just praying for her. That, that she'll use her driving to glorify God. Because we're going to find out in a little bit, you can do everything in a way that glorifies God. Whatever you do, do it to the glory of God. So I'm praying that she drives to the glory of God, that she's protected, that she uses a car to fill it up and get people to where the gospel's shared. She helps people. Pray that her faith is real. Right? Because in two years, she's going to be at college where if it's not, she'll drift away which is what happens with a lot of students. But you want to know what else is true? Train up, in, train up a child in the way he should go, and what? Yep. When he's old, he won't depart. Now, you, you want to know what's funny? Some of our children go away, and they seem to drift away, but you want to know what they won't forget? They won't forget the gospel. They won't forget what God has done. And who knows how God in the future will draw them back. And so we keep praying, and we keep instructing, and we keep training in the ways of the Lord. And as a church, we've got to figure this out. How are we going to do this for our adopted kids that God has placed under our care? Because that's our responsibility as a church. Uh, Glenda, you made a, a side comment. Um, we were talking about what God was doing on Wednesday nights, and it's an amazing thing. It's an amazing thing. We have all of these guys, all of these tough dudes that play football, and we're just reading the book of Judges, looking at what God's doing in Gideon's life and praying for God to show us what he has for our lives. And, and Glenn just made this high comment, hey, I just want you to know I've been praying for, for your Wednesday night group. You want to know how I know somebody's praying? And I think it's a ton of you guys praying because God's doing things that only God does in response to prayer. Young men are hearing the gospel and being saved. And, and we sung the song, Mighty to Save, we talked about moving mountains. That's nothing compared to when God saves. None of us can save anybody in this room, change somebody's eternity, but God does that. And he does that in response to people praying and asking and pleading for God to do that. So that's one way we can train up. What's another way? What's another way? How, how can we train up in the ways of Christ from being in a church? Uh, you know what happens in the nursery, in the preschool? We're actually teaching the Bible there, right? Now, some Sundays you're just surviving, and we get that. But every Sunday we're praying for our children, and we're teaching them what the Bible teaches. Wednesday night is not just a hangout. It is focused time on what God has for us. We're instructing in the ways of God. What are some other ways as a church we can train up in the ways of God? Lead by example. Set the model. You want to know what I love? You want to know what we do a poor job of? Celebrating wedding anniversaries. Richard, I'm going to pick on you. You had a wedding anniversary this week, didn't you? He said it was real special. He got some medal for his wife this week. Bonnie had how many screws put in? Ten screws. Play put in her arm, broken arm, now she's healing. And Richard, you know, he's cracking jokes like, well, we can't go through any metal detectors now, honey. And I'm like, Richard, it's your anniversary. He goes, yeah, isn't that a way to spend 60th anniversary? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, she, she appreciates that. But, but you want to know what we need to celebrate? And listen, many of you know how to be faithful to a husband. 
know how to be faithful to a wife. Many of you have a lot of experiences to share, and we need to celebrate that. Because you want to know what we don't see a lot right now? Happy marriages. You want to know what we don't see a lot right now? Families that love Jesus together. But as a body of believers, we can do that for one another. What else? We've got praying. We've, how many of you guys can actually write notes? How many of you have handwriting that is legible? Right? Somewhat. Somewhat. If not, we can type and we can print it out. But, but here's what we could do. You can write something, call up here, get an address, and you can send it to somebody. And you want to know what? You don't get too much personal mail. When's the last time you got a personal letter? Not too often. Usually it's to vote for somebody or to pay something. Can you imagine getting a letter from somebody that you're sitting next to on Sunday saying, hey, I just wanted you to know I'm praying for you. This is a verse I'm memorizing. I'd love for you to memorize it with me. Do you know you can do that? And you want to what? Students aren't off the hook on that either. Noah and Quincy, these guys need to learn your names. And then I hope you know that they're praying for you as well. In the lunchroom, walking through the hallways, asking for names. How can I pray for so-and-so? Who has surgery? That's how you grow as a family. And so I wanted to hit that one more time because I thought we rushed through that last week. But that's the goal. As a, as a family... Uh, Julianne and I want to figure out how can we instruct four girls in the ways of the Lord and, and as young families in the room and anyone who has children you need to be praying for wisdom in that area but then as a church how can we do this as God blesses us with children and students alright all right. now let's get to the text at hand verse 22 to 25 now real quick this passage is not endorsing slavery the problem is the context when we think of slavery, we think of what? Our nation was founded. We're stealing people, forcing them to work, separating families. All of that condemned in the Bible. Kidnapping, stealing people is a sentence to death in the Bible. But that's what we think of. And this time, it's a little different. It's still brutal but a little different. Biola University did a little research to talk about the context with which Paul was in, and, and this is what we read. The historical context shows that slavery in Paul's day was not as oppressive as later forms of slavery. Many prominent people in the ancient world were slaves, including teachers, writers, politicians, artisans, and philosophers. Some slaves were better off financially than many who were born free and had purchased their freedom, and slaves often anticipated their freedom after 10 to 20 years of service to their masters. Yet some chose to stay with their masters. It's a little different than what we see in the United States. But we also know from the text the demands placed on people. Colossians 3, 1 and 2 says, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died. And your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. You wonder what happens after that text? You get this, Colossians 3, 9 through 11. You have taken off your old self, which is being renewed in the knowledge of the image of Christ. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. 
You know what comes after that verse? Colossians 3.12, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, gentleness, and patience. This is given to the slave and the slave master. To rip out this context of verse 22, slaves obey your earthly masters in everything, to encourage or condone slavery is to take this out of the text. It's not what Paul is talking about. But isn't that amazing what people do with Scripture? We do that with the first verse we read, with wives submitting to husbands. We have no idea the context of that. We do that with children, obey your parents in all things. We take that out of context. And we do the same thing with this. It's an amazing thing how Paul talks to a man he's writing a letter to called Philemon. Philemon and his slave also has a book in the Bible. And I just, I want to write, read this for you. Philemon 16 to 17 says, No longer treat him as a slave, but better than a slave as a dear brother. He is very dear to me, but even dearer to you. This is Paul writing to Philemon both as a fellow man and a brother in the Lord. So, if you consider me a partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. You see what Paul is doing here? He's not endorsing slavery, but the problem remains that there's still slavery. And Paul has a word to the people who are down and abused. He says, hey, Jesus knows where you are. Jesus sees what you do. He will reward, and he will make right. And when a master comes to know Jesus, a slave becomes a brother. That's what this text is about. So in this, when you see verse 22 to 24, what you see is a theology of work. How can you work to the glory of God? Does God see what you're doing? Does God care about what you're doing? And then what's your focus? So first off, work hard even when no one is looking because the Lord sees. I learned this while cutting grass. So there'd be places and I'd get sent to the backyard. Dad was no dummy. He put me in the back because he knows there's a greater mistake of me making it than him. So he puts me in the back and I'm back there and Norma Pope was her name. She lived on Beeman Lane out in Florence. Backyard, big pine trees all around, and somehow a food wrapper got back there. And I thought, nobody will ever see this thing if I just go over it. I'm trying to be quick, trying to get done with this place so we can go to the next one so I can get done with this day. And I just go, 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 boom, hit it, and then one piece becomes two pieces. And I start getting convicted. God's like saying, what do you mean nobody will see that? And once you know it was this verse, Colossians 3.23, that says, hey, if you're mowing, you can mow to the glory of God. You can cut grass in a way that honors Jesus. Shut the blades down. Get off the mower. Go pick up the trash to the glory of God. 
Do you remember the song we just sung? Singing to what? The glory of a risen king. When you sing songs, you can glorify Jesus. I'm not going to ask for hands, but I know that in the room, we have several who are retired. And you're like, ha, Brown, you don't know what you're talking about. I don't have a boss. I don't have to obey anybody. I'm retired. I am my own boss. Did you know you can do retirement to the glory of God? However, however many days, however much time, every minute to the glory of God. When I looked at, at verse 23, this is what, what I thought in my mind. When I wake up, it's around 6 to 6.30, depending on the day. And I've got from about 6 to 7 o'clock where the girls are getting ready, I'm getting ready, we go to school. Am I honoring Jesus with that time? And then it's the brutal part of the day. I love it, but it's also brutal because I'm standing outside. And it's going to get worse because it's going to eventually get cool. But I got morning duty. You, you want to know why I love morning duty? I'll get to see every student at Holmes High School. I'm standing outside from 7.15 to 8.10, just welcoming students on campus into school. Am I glorifying Jesus with that hour? And then I go through the day, I go through the classrooms. I'm like, well, in this classroom, who was difficult to love? Am I honoring Jesus with this? Am I honoring Jesus with how I'm, I'm keeping track of my progress monitoring with special education? Am I honoring God with my time, with the effort I'm giving as a teacher? Lunch. Can you eat to the glory of God? I know you can eat by having faith if you look at some of our school lunches. You better have faith because you might not survive some of these meals. And then about 3.15 to 5.30, I've got football practice. And you know what? Some days I'm just tired. I just want to go home. I'm just going to watch film, lift weights. It's loud. It's hard. It's hot. I'm ready for the day to be over. You want to know you can coach and go to practice in a way that glorifies Jesus? And then after practice, it will usually be one of the girls' games or practices or picking up Ava from work. Do you know rides to and from can be used in a way that glorifies Jesus? Then about 9.30 to about 10.30, 11, depends on how late we stay up, I've got some time where it's, it's free time. I can have a conversation with Julianne. We can watch TV, whatever. But did you know even that time? It's not my time. It's time I can use to the glory of God. And so for me, I just write that schedule out, and then I'm putting down how can I glorify God. What time of the day is it hardest for me to glorify God, to focus on Jesus? And you wonder what I encourage you to do? Do the same thing. Look at your schedule. Look at your days. Do a daily schedule. Do a weekly schedule, because sometimes it's a time of day. Sometimes it's a day of the week. Right? If you know this day is always long for me, man, get somebody to pray for you. Get somebody to hold you accountable to use it to the glory of God. I'll give, you a, I'll give you one example of how somebody's doing this right now. Uh, my grandpa, I talk about him a lot. He's very influential in my life. Um, he's at Magnolia Springs right now. It's been a while, a few months. He was in a, a car accident and hurt his knee. He had to get physical therapy. And uh, My mom and I and I think all the girls got to go down and see him. Man, we got to see things we didn't want to see. Experience things we didn't want to experience when you got a bedpan and you are asked to empty it and what is this for? And you want to know what was amazing? 
the attitude Grandpa had. Now, I want you to understand this. Grandpa, he's driven his whole life. Goes to Freeman Lake down in Elizabethtown. When he lived there, he just moved to Magnolia Springs in Lexington. We go to Freeman Lake, treat Mamma to Burger King or McDonald's or Wendy's or Splurge and get Texas Roadhouse. He'd always send me a receipt. I don't know why. <laughs> I think he's bragging. He's like, hey, just so you know, I'm still having dates with my wife. How about you? But you know, after that accident, he doesn't drive anymore. And, and you know, some people could get really mad at that. You know, he lived in the house in Elizabethtown, had his own bedroom, his own chairs, own TV, could get up and go whenever he wanted. Now he's in Magnolia Spring in a room. And you know, some people could get really mad at that. Some people could get mad at God when stuff like that happens. You want to know what he told me when we were visiting him in physical therapy? With his knees swollen, when he was struggling to stand up and do things that he wanted to do himself, tie shoes, stuff like that. You want to know what he said? He goes, well, Ben, I guess there's people at Magnolia Spring that need to hear about Jesus. That's why he was there. You want to know why? Because he understood this. Whatever you do, do it with all your heart. It's working for the Lord, not for people. And then, you know how I asked you about instruction and training up in the ways of God? This is not unusual. And I never know what type of paper he'll write on, but he always writes me a note. And when Mom comes back from visiting him, there's always a note and a package for me. And it's just different bulletins that he saved, different sermon notes that he's listened to. Like, hey, just check this out. Wouldn't this be awesome if you, listening to this message, you're like, you know what, Colossians 3.23, that's a big deal. I'm going to write that down, send it to five people, and encourage them. Well, well, check out this. He goes, Ben, just got to pat you on the back from me about your sermons. He goes, I'm, having, uh, I'm hearing about all of your good sermons lately. Now, listen, that's because Mom likes to brag on me. Not always is it true, but she always brags. She says, you're getting better every week. You are in God's hand and in God's plan. You're a great person and a preacher. He, he loves using alliteration, even in his notes. Can't get that out of him as a pastor. He goes, I'm blessed to have a preacher grandson. I pray divine assistance for you. Carry on. God is in control. He goes, God bless you, Grandpa Gene. <laughs> and he never puts Gene, but this is why he put Gene. He goes, I love that they call me Mr. Gene at Magnolia Springs. Just a simple, encouraging note, training up in the instruction of the Lord, or this one. Ben, the gospel should never make you sad. The gospel should make you glad. He goes, do I hear an amen? Hallelujah, hallelujah. And then he, he closes this note after reminding about the gospel. And, and Wes, I think you'll appreciate this. What kind of pants does a ghost wear? Boo jeans. And that's it. That's his note to me. Isn't that amazing? writing that from a desk sitting in a wheelchair working on getting strength back in his legs so he can walk but never distracted from glorifying God with however much time he has I love that I love that so that, that, that is my challenge to you students at Holmes High School Connor Middle School Goodridge Elementary and everybody in between Newport Connor High School now I've left off some. 
staff, and listen, several of us need to figure out where each other works in the area and pray, how are we going to glorify God in the days and in the places where he's placed us? Don't waste your time. We had a guy working for us, uh, my dad with lawn care. You know, Andrew and I couldn't goof off and waste time. We get in trouble at work and at home. But we had a guy, uh, I won't mention his name, he showed up and the first thing he'd do when he'd get out of the truck is put on a sunscreen instead of having it on already. And then he'd grab the weeder and he'd start weed eating, but he wouldn't fill it with gas, so he'd run out quick. And then he'd come back to the truck, check his phone for a while, put gas in, and then he'd go back out, but he wouldn't check the line. He'd have to come back and put line in the weed eater. And one day at the cemetery where we cut, weed eating's tough there. And Andrew can get it done in four hours. Andrew's very fast at weed eating. Graber, four hours, one small section. And my dad's just, man, what are you doing? What are you doing? Just sitting at the truck on his phone. He goes, listen, I can't have you do this. You see, when you go to work and you're focused on something else, whether it's your comfort, whether it's just money, or even something good, like at school we hear this a lot, I'm here for the kids. That's a good thing, but that's not the best thing. You want to know why you are where you are? To glorify Jesus in that spot. To make much of Jesus. At your work, in your neighborhood, whatever you do, work at it for his glory. And then we'll go to that last part. Masters, provide your slaves with what is right and fair because you know that you also have a master in heaven. Don't you love that reminder? Nobody gets away with it best boss I had was my dad and this is the hat that he found somewhere and bought see if you can read it you see the problem was Andrew and I worked for him and Andrew and I are thinkers we always had a better way to cut the grass he had been doing this for years years and I go dad have you ever thought about putting stripes on it this way he goes just cut the grass hey dad you know they got a new backpack blower? Hey, and I was always a fan of buying a backpack blower. You want to know why? It wasn't coming out of my budget. It was coming out of his. And so I was going top of the line. Dad's like, hey, you're doing great with that handheld blower. You know how many times he wore this hat? Never. He just uses it as a joke. You want to know why he was good to work with? He was good and he was fair. Our meals were free. He paid for our college. He helps us out with different things financially. We had church camp in the summer, and it usually came in a busy time of the mowing season. You want to know what? Dad never complained. Not only did he not complain, he paid for the camp. He said, you're going, you know, we both played sports. And in the summer, there's a lot of times where you have to miss. Dad would make sure we were there, and he tried to get there. He was right and he was fair. Here's my question. With the authority that God has given you, are you using it to the reflect the authority God has on your life? Can people catch a glimpse of Jesus by how you're leading them? And I'll, I'll leave you with this. Jesus in Isaiah 53 is a suffering servant. But we also see him in Colossians 1, 15 and 20. He's Lord of all created everything, sustains everything, all things finds their point and purpose in him. He knows exactly where we are. 
And I, I want to read just this of the, the suffering servant, and then we'll close. Listen to what Jesus has done for us. He understands suffering. He understands servants. Isaiah 53, verse 3. He was despised and rejected by mankind, man of suffering, familiar with pain, like one from whom people hide their faces. He was despised, and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And the punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds, we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and a sheep before its shears was silent. So he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. Yet who of this generation protested? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of the people he was punished. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and to curse him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his offspring and prolong his days. And the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils with the strong, because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors, for he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. That's Jesus. What an amazing Lord we serve. Amen? That's right. Father, we thank you for your son who humbled himself to be a servant, to become man, to die on a cross, to be buried, and yet three days later, he rose from the grave. He is Lord of all. And Father, I pray for us in the room we make a decision to trust in him. Father, if anyone is here that does not know you, I pray that today they trust Jesus and his sacrifice for salvation. Let his life pay for their sins. I pray that they put their trust in you to save them. I pray that they make a decision today to follow Jesus as Lord. And Father, I pray for the rest of us in the room that know you to make every minute count so that whatever we do, we do it with all our heart for your glory. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.